0: I can remember a time when I would not have believed myself in these stories, right. Where I could have easily been that person that wanted the approval so much, or was so happy to be in the inner circle that I could have stayed blind yeah. to it all. Um, I mean, there was a time when I used to think people like me that were speaking up were the problem.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Wednesdays with Watson podcast. We are so excited, as we always are, to bring you today's episode. You're in for a treat because there are two Amys on this podcast today. Today, I bring to you Amy Fritz, who herself is the podcast host of a podcast called Untangled Faith Podcast, and we we will be talking about that a lot today as Amy shares her story of the abuse of power. We are in a season, as you know of forgiving trauma makers, with our central verse being Ephesians 4.32, and I've said over and over that forgiveness is not a suggestion but a commandment when we see in Ephesians 4.32 where the Bible tells us, be you kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ has forgiven you. That being said, you guys, if you've listened to any of the episodes of this season, you know that I know that that's not easy. You mm-hmm. also know that th- that this message is coming from the heart of somebody who has had to navigate this and still continues to navigate it. So as we welcome Amy into the podcast, I do strongly encourage you right there in your, when you're in your app to go ahead and, and go into the show notes and click on her podcast and subscribe to it. Because trust me, we are not going to be able to cover everything today that she covers on her podcast. And so Amy, welcome to the Wednesdays with Watson podcast. We've been meaning to do this for a hot minute. And so welcome uh, to, to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Amy. It's so funny to talk to somebody else named Amy. But anybody that was born in the you know late 70s, early 80s, they probably had a lot of friends named Amy. So yeah. here we are. Yeah, it's and so- you're right. Like any story, like our stories, Anybody that's a complicated story, it could be hours and hours. Right, long. So right. And, we're and give the we, uh, one episode version today. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. We know that uh, attention spans are are short, especially. Uh, for my listeners they, they they tend to like about 45 minutes and I know there's no yep. way we can cover all that in 45 minutes but yeah it's funny you say that about the name because one of my very 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 best friends names is Amy and she also works for me and so we 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 affectionately are called Amy squared but yeah if you were born in the 1970s you're unlikely to be in any class or in any room or any group <laughs> without somebody whose name is also Amy so but anyway thank you so much for being here today guys as i mentioned Amy's podcast, The Untangled Faith Podcast, is a popular podcast. It is timely. It is obedient on behalf of Amy. But as you will hear today, it was born out of much suffering. And as we are barreling towards my favorite holiday, we, we this episode will be aired in March of 2022, and the next episode that that will be dropped here will be a solo episode that you guys have been begging me for, written by me. Uh, talking about our suffering Savior because Amy, we are not without an, an example of how to walk through suffering. We are not without an example of how to endure the abuse of power. Because who, if anybody on this planet who ever lived, endured the abuse of, of Pontius Pilate and and the Roman soldiers, then then our Jesus, the star of the story. And mm-hmm. so, what we're going to be talking about here today, guys, is sensitive in nature. It is about the abuse of power primarily in the Christian world, and we are not here to bash anybody, but we're here to talk about how these things can be forgiven, and Amy is going to talk to us a little bit about her journey in this abuse of power. So Amy, one of the first questions, and probably the only question that is constant uh, throughout this season that I'm asking all of my guests, and I've been so enriched by the answer to this question, because Everybody has answered it the same, but sort of differently too, including my own pastor, who just made my jaw drop with his answer. But so we're in a season of forgiving trauma makers. Tell me what forgiveness means to you.
0: Oh man, you should have told me ahead of time, Amy. <laughs> um, I, I think we have to always. We look at Jesus, right? And he endured the worst of the worst, the deepest betrayal from the people that were the closest to him, people that he relied on, his close friends and family, um, the Jewish church leaders, right? These were the God's people. These were his people, and they let him down. So I think forgiveness for me th- that that example reminds me that I am not off the hook. But I think it it means I don't have to hold somebody accountable. Mm-hmm. Personally, I let I let the Lord hold them accountable. I I think about what the Holy Spirit is doing in me as I am processing maybe something really painful that's happened to me what is my part in this to create something beautiful from it and not just to let myself be obsessed with being against something, but being for something. Um, You know how that is. I mean, you have experienced deep trauma in your life and I think some people would say forgiveness means we don't ever talk about the bad things, but I think it is giving, stepping back and letting God do what he only can do he's yeah. the one who brings justice and asking what is my role to play and who am I becoming in all this am I becoming more like Jesus as as I engage in this or am I becoming someone I yeah just don't recognize and don't want to be I don't know if that answers yeah. your question yeah. at all but it answers it beautifully and I think that it hits on
1: something that is so important as we, as we, as we begin to enter ourselves into this very delicate conversation that I've been quite nervous about because I only know a little bit of this. And, mm-hmm. and again, we're not going to cover all of it because we can't, and we're going to send people to your own podcast. But no, I think the thing that you just said is so important because it it promotes the idea and the biblical principle of personal responsibility. And and then you took it even a step further and it's like, and what what is God trying to do in my life in this? And, and, I, and then you hit on something really big, especially as we talk about the church and we talk about Christian organizations and we talk about all of it, that, you know, I think those of us in Generation X Learn from the boomers. We don't talk about these things. We just, mm-hmm. and I think we're we look. All you got to do is look at the Southern Baptist Convention to find out what happens when we don't talk about things. And and that's just yeah. that's just my mind and you know my mind denomination and the one that is for top of mind. But we could we could put Catholicism in there. We could put any church in there when they just didn't talk about it. And so I want to dive deeply into what it means to be the recipient of abuse of power, especially as um, a Christian. And so I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be my first question to you is your definition of abuse of power as you've experienced it. And feel free to begin to journey in to your story about why you have a podcast that is so popular Mm -hmm. where you are picking up the rug where people have swept Mm -hmm. things underneath it, you're uncovering it. And shining a light on the faithfulness of Jesus. And so talk to me a little bit about, first of all, your 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 basic baseline definition of abuse of power, and then begin to tell us a little bit of your story as we yeah. navigate into how you got to forgiving.
0: You have paid any attention to talking uh, what what's being said in the Christian world about abuse of power or anybody that is an expert in this space. You've likely heard of Dr. Diane Langberg. Yes, she... Is a gift. She is just such a precious gift to have a puppy that may be howling in the background. Um, She's such a precious gift. She recently wrote a book called, I think redeeming power. And it's all about how power in and of itself is neutral. We all have power. She, she points out that even that infant baby that we would think doesn't have power. When that baby's crying in the middle of the night, That baby has some power. (laughs) For sure. People do something, right? And so we have to grapple with how we use it. And that is where we either fall on the side of a healthy use of power or an abuse of power. And an abuse of power would be when you use your influence and impact and and you know power that you have in a way to that harms other people, usually to uh, yourself up in some way. It's a way that is using up other people instead of caring about these precious, you know, image bearers of, of Christ. Um, like what can people do for us? Uh, that would be an unhealthy use of power is when you use like relationships and, um, position that you've been given. And it's not about helping others. It's not about turning people towards Jesus, but really in the end it's about protecting your own image. Right. And making yourself bigger and
1: yeah. And kind of building your own kingdom, right? Yeah. And I think that's where where we lose where the where where we lose it, where we lose the plot is yeah. I believe that so many people who are on the other side of the abuse of power, including the organization that we're going to talk about today, I don't think they started there. I think they started with good intentions i think they started with gospel-laced intentions Mm -hmm. and then this is the enemy's playground anytime he can get somebody essentially putting something else besides jesus in front of them as an idol and as these organizations grow and as as they as money comes in and as Mm -hmm. as as lifestyles begin to improve and all of that then they lose the plot and yeah. and I got to be honest with you Amy that is my biggest concern as a podcaster and as a writer anytime I push publish on something I am so mm-hmm. terrified I don't have any desire in this very noisy world to be popular to be Joe Rogan uh, as a podcaster because yeah. of this very thing I am so so afraid of losing the plot and forgetting why I'm doing this, and why I started my endeavor in the first place. And so let's just go ahead and dive right in. You and your husband had a very painful experience with a very well known organization. And here's where um, I'm going to say guys that we can't possibly cover everything that that Amy and her husband went through on in this episode. But I'm giving I trust her fully. And I'm going to give her the autonomy to share as much as she wants here. And then we're going to talk about how your journey and Uh, to forgive in that situation. So I want to just hand the mic over to you and talk to us about your experience. You've got many, but you know, the one that I'm talking about your experience with abuse of power, and, and then we'll go from there.
0: Sure. I know that you are aware of the Enneagram. Um, I am Enneagram too. Are you also Amy? I sure am. Okay. So this so part of, there is a part of me that wants to be loved i don't want to be i want to be the golden child so i will show up and i will do all the things and i will earn those trophies and i grew up learning that and doing that in a christian environment like my christian teachers in my christian high school And then in my college, and then I worked at a Christian organization. I worked at a Christian college after I graduated. Like I was really good at being a golden child. And I so much always just wanted and thrived on that being loved and supported. And I mean, I didn't have a bad experience in these places. So it was really hard for me to understand if people had them because I had such a great experience. And so it was hard for me to hear if people had any criticism Um, and so I just, I just want you to file that away. That is something that I did not know could keep me blind to some issues because I I wanted the people in these places, these circles that I was in to love me and approve of me. And I knew what I knew what I needed to do to get that. You know, I show up, I serve, I, I do all the things. Don't ask questions. Yeah. And you don't ask questions. You just, these people are in charge. God has given them authority and we just get in line and do what they say. Um, and I mean, of course I wouldn't be on this podcast today if something did not go terribly wrong. Um, but it was around 2016 ish when our pastor at the time had just been fired. Um, we'd found out he had plagiarized virtually every sermon that he had written and it wasn't just like using someone's outline it was every single word of other people's sermons and like their personal examples as well so the stories he told us about his life were actually someone else's he even um staged a rebaptism of himself to fit a sermon that he wanted to preach from somebody that had been rebaptized like he it was a it was basically a dramatic reenactment of someone else's sermon every single week. And we had no idea. And so that will kind of mess with you a little bit when you find out that happened, they let him go. Um, And as I was trying to process this, I was looking up different things and reading some things. And I'm like, I somehow stumbled across a video by Dr. Diane Langberg, who I mentioned earlier. And she she had a video and it was called Narcissism and the System It Breeds. I sat there, I pressed play, and I took notes on this thing. It was so interesting how she had talked about how, you know, even in the Christian world, which is she's, she does, she's been in therapy. She's been a therapist for decades um, and has seen everything. And she said, you know, as Christians, we can get sucked into this narcissism of thinking that we are really special which means that we can't be touched. And she gave some examples of what that looked like. And then she also said, and it's not just people, our our organizations can like adopt that sort of narcissistic, narcissistic behavior that we are so uniquely positioned and yeah. so special here that God has something for us. And in the end, it kind of works itself out into not being real um, accountable for things, and not taking responsibility when things might go go wrong. And so I'm listening to this. I'm taking notes. I'm typing up in my Google Google Drive. And um, this is how much a geek I am. I don't know how many people listen to YouTube videos and take notes. But I did. And I called my husband. And I was like, Nathan, you need to listen to this. I brought him in. He listens with me. And I'm sitting there like watching him. That really you know, annoying thing where your friend is like, you need to watch this. And they just yeah. watch you watch it. That was me. He finishes listening and he's like, Oh, wow. And he turns to me and says, You know, that sounds a lot like Dave Ramsey. And listeners, you need to know, like, this is a mic drop. And not because just general Dave Ramsey is in the world and we knew who he was, but because my husband worked for the Lampo group, also known as Ramsey Solutions, which is Dave Ramsey's company. Um, for him to say that sounds like Ramsey was a huge deal. And I just, I looked at him and there was this thing that happened in my brain where I thought, uh, yeah, but no, and I can't see that. I do not want to hear that. Um, And my subconscious did this thing. If you've heard anything about betrayal blindness, you know, our brains want to protect us. They say, danger, danger. We don't want them to see that because we know that this is going to put something at risk for them. This is something in our brains that works beautifully for young children, especially if they're going through trauma. This is why they can't remember certain things. It's because their brain said, you cannot, you can't handle this. I will protect you from it. But our brains also do this in other situations where our subconscious says, this person pays your check that buys your groceries and pays your bills. Um, You don't want to see this. So it just did this tiny little sneaky thing where it kind of got in, but I tried to shut it down, but I couldn't unsee that. So it was sort of this little nagging thing in my brain. And I had to reckon with it a little bit, that cognitive dissonance that said, this is who we think we are. This is who they say they are. And this is what is actually happening. And there is, it doesn't fit up exact, it doesn't fit exactly, it doesn't line up exactly right. You know, there's things that we had seen and I just had dismissed I had done the Enneagram to Amy is the golden child thing. I was leading this Lampo ladies group. That's Lampo is the legal name of the company for like women that work there or spouses who um, had husbands that worked there. And I would plan events and I would welcome new people that moved to town and I would help them find places to live. And I would tell them how wonderful it was. And there were a lot of really wonderful things, but also there was a really strict no gossip policy and there was a lot of fear and intimidation. And there were some things that I had started to see along the way. Um, One meeting they had at work one day that Nathan came back to tell me about was that Dave had infiltrated a Facebook group of some former employees that had just been talking about their experience and some of them weren't positive experiences. So Dave put their pictures up in the um, staff meeting for everyone to see and said what terrible people they were. And then he said, some people are leaking information from this company and I don't know who it is, but somebody inside and he put a bounty out for you to turn in people. I don't remember how much it was. It was a lot. Um, One day before Nathan started there, Dave was so upset about people whom he said were gossiping that he brought in a loaded pistol, brought it, pulled it out of a gift bag from what I hear and said that this is what gossip is, it's this is dangerous. Like, imagine if you had been, uh, you know, traumatized by gun violence at any time to just have him like, just pull this out there in the middle of your staff meeting. Um, we were not, uh, I knew that the staff members were not allowed to say anything negative about the company at all to anyone that could not solve the problem. That was the the definition was you can't talk to your friends. Um, if you have any concern, anything to say at all that isn't like raving praise for the company, you need to go to somebody in leadership over you. If you did not do that, it's considered gossip and you you, are, you could be fired for it. So there's no like talking like, do you guys feel okay about this? What do you think about this? Like, no, not allowed at all. Um, and I didn't know at the time, but it also applied to spouses, um, which is crazy. Yeah, a little bit. If you say something, um, question um, the company in any way on Facebook your or on social media, if you say anything that might not line up, it is possible for your husband or your wife to lose their job at Ramsey. Um, there was one, another thing that happened that was just sort of a little red flag. I mean, every, every place can make their own rules, but you know, when there is some fear and intimidation happening, and this was definitely happening there. Um, there was a time where they put out an article. Um, it wasn't even written by the company. It was written by somebody else that somebody there thought was wonderful. And it was called rich people things, or, you know, things that rich people do. And it was like this list of things that rich people did and, The idea was that apparently if you did these things, you would get rich. But if I know you are like in college right now, well, you're in like grad school, doctor school, getting a doctorate. Yeah. All right. You know, you have taken statistics, right? Oh yeah. Social science research methods is a thing. And there's a difference between correlation and causation. And this person who had written this article basically said, they go to the gym, they read books, they don't eat junk food. Um, It was this whole list of things. I'm like... I mean, I can see that those are good habits, but I really wondered if they caused people to be rich rich. and it seemed to disregard people who are in poverty, right? right. You can't just tell somebody in Haiti, if you would go to the gym three times a week, you'd probably be rich. Context is everything, right? (laughs) Right. And it lacked nuance. And there were some people that pushed back in good faith against Dave online and he lost his ever loving mind. And it was, it wasn't even something that they had written. But they just doubled down in saying that it was just this liberal, progressive uh, conspiracy out to get them. And it was horrifying. And I remember thinking, well, I had just put a comment on somebody. Somebody had written a blog post, Sean Groves, who is a really well-known singer. singer. He yeah. works with Compassion International now, and mostly that's what he does. And he just was saying, hey, I saw this article. What do you guys think? I have some questions about it. And I had left a comment saying, I feel like maybe this is a correlation thing and not causation. Amy, when I found out Dave got so mad about people talking about it online, I was sure I had lost my husband his job. I was terrified because he was ranting in staff meetings about people talking about it. This is not a this is not a sign of a healthy organization. Um, putting bounties on people right, right. not a sign of a healthy organization. My husband had A great boss and his experience day-to-day was great Um, but I started to hear that other people were like disappearing from work they you know they nobody heard from them anymore I was hearing that they were people having to sign non-disclosure agreements Uh, it was uncomfortable to reckon that with the idea that this is some wonderful Christian Christian
1: organization
0: company Um, and I just saw a lot of the arrogance and pride from the top and I, there were times when Dave would bring us, uh, he, you know, would introduce us to or or kick off the annual Christmas party, which everybody was so excited about. And he would stand up on the stage and say, who does this? And I started to just cringe. I just thought at some point, I'm afraid that fire is going to rain down from heaven. (laughs) I mean, uh, and then they started building their new building with millions of dollars. And my husband started to be concerned about some of the things that they were doing to bring in as much money as they could, as right. fast as they could. And, you know, you can be a believer and run a great company and be for profit and do it well, but it's really difficult. It is a really difficult line to draw. Um,
1: well, and especially in a in a situation like, in a, in a person like Dave Ramsey, whose whole, yeah. whole message and in life to Christians is the, is is being financially responsible. We've all, I think yeah. probably 90% of the people listening to this podcast have probably taken Financial Peace University at some point. And yeah. this is a great example of, you know, I have no doubt when he started that, that he truly wanted to use his business sacrament and, and work within a church. But then the organization got huge, and it sounds mm-hmm. like pride got into to it. And again, guys, we cannot po- – I mean, Amy walked through with her husband – Obviously, it ended. And uh, did anything quit, or did they fire him?
0: So what happened was in 2000 and late 2019, or late 2018. I think that was the same year that Bill Hybels, you know, yeah. had to leave, and James McDonald was in the middle of all this disaster. I read a an article in World Magazine um, about James McDonald, and it was called "Hard Times at Harvest." and I read this whole description and by the time I got to the end of it, I was like, Oh no, this sounds just like Dave. I I just, there was too many similarities to the personalities and the arrogance and the uh, feeling of being invincible. And I just knew at that point, I'm like, someday I'm going to open up, turn on my phone and I'm going to be scrolling and I'm going to see an article about Ramsey. I just knew it was going to happen at some point that there was something hidden. there was something going on that was going to be brought to light. And I didn't know of anything at the time but i just there were too many similarities within two months that happened not publicly but i stumbled across something because a friend of mine her husband worked there as one of the highest profile personalities who spoke on the ramsey team and she just sort of fell off the edge of the earth and i could not find her um she would not return my texts i knew something terrible had happened and in the process of me trying to figure it out i'm scrolling through twitter and i saw some tweets that were sent to her then husband from somebody and i read them somebody was sending him bible verse references and i was like why would somebody send bible verse references and i knew this person was connected like this is somebody sort of related to um, my friend's husband i'm like that's weird so i looked up the verses and they were about adultery and that is when my stomach sank and i was like Oh no, he's cheated on her. He's been cheating on her and he's getting ready to go on a book tour. They've just poured all this money into him. He is the heir apparent of the radio show and he's cheating on his wife. And I know what Davis said about that. Like if like he has a book Entree Leadership in that book, and even like on their website, it says, if your spouse can't trust you, I can't trust you. You don't get to represent the company that is about Jesus and be cheating on your spouse. Uh, That is a, no, that you know kind that's of an automatic no yeah do yeah. not you know do not collect you right. know do not collect $200 um you're going straight to jail metaphorically but what did I do what do you do when you see something like that but you don't know for sure right. and you can't gossip and you're not allowed to say anything negative about anybody and the stakes are so high you don't want to get it wrong
1: right
0: it was a horrible horrible feeling my husband and I prayed for several months over it, and finally he brought it up with his leader because we knew he was a trustworthy person, and he had some similar concerns because he had some connection to that family and um we kind of watched this leader he was our canary in the coal mine, and then one day he announced his resignation with no job lined up. um He called Nathan and they met um asked him to meet with them before he left, and he said, I had met with some board members about your concerns. Um, and they're going to want to talk to you. And so uh, a couple board members brought Nathan into a meeting and they're, they were really like the woman who led the meeting was so condescending and was like, well, here's what we think you think, you know? And she basically said, uh, yes, this person was unfaithful to his wife, but it was a decade ago. And, you know, some people aren't who you think they are. She was implying that the wife was the problem. And she said, you know, we are moving forward with Chris as the succession plan, unless we know anything different, unless we hear something different, we are, you know, full steam ahead. And if you have a problem with that, you need to decide what you need to do. And it didn't make sense. Right. It didn't ring true to us at all. Uh, our my friend, Melissa, hadn't talked to me at all. She hadn't said anything you know, she hadn't told us a single thing. And so they were trying to make it seem like she was trying to fool us. when she had told her to be quiet so she hadn't said a thing. Um, We felt like they were lying to us. And Nathan decided he couldn't trust them. And so he resigned with no job. No job lined up. The next staff meeting that they had, Dave got up and told everybody a sad sob story. He told, you know, what's really sad is that we have Chris's getting divorced. It's really messy. Uh, there's no clear lines. We aren't really sure what's happening, but some people left because they thought we were covering for him. And that's okay. He said, if they don't have the courage to talk to me or have a backbone, that's fine. They, you know, he basically told, said my husband was believing lies and didn't have a backbone wow. to all, you know, almost a thousand employees at the time. He said that people who had quit were like rats leaving a ship with no sign of water. Not long after that, I was able to talk to my friend. And from what she could tell me, it you know, it was all true. And it wasn't ten it wasn't just ten years ago. Sure, he had cheated on her ten years ago, but he had basically been cheating on her, her entire time. marriage and even most recently, and she had over Christmas time gone and talked to them about something she had just found out about. And they decided that they did not believe her, they treated her terribly she had gone to them for help because she was afraid he was going on this national book tour that it would get out. And she didn't want that to happen. And what she didn't know was at the time was that her husband at the time had engaged in a long, long, uh, you know, plan of like saying terrible things about her at work. And people just took his word for it. Um, And even though they brought in church leaders, people that vouched for the story, at the time, they decided not to believe even these third parties.
1: Wow, why do you think that is? Do you think that there, as we're talking about an abuse of power, was this person? Yeah. Look, look, I'm a business person. I love Jesus, yeah. but I have an MBA and I'm a business person. Was it all about the money that 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 this gentleman was going to bring into the Ramsey organization?
0: In your opinion, um, I that's yeah, I think that's hundred percent it. They had they were getting ready to do a book tour for him, so they just already invested a ton of money yeah. in this book tour expecting to get a lot of money out of it. And he was the most popular speaker they had. Uh, the person that was going to be the successor to Dave on the radio show for the most part. um, And Dave wants to retire at some point. Yeah. So the cost to them to address this in a consistent way was, what? would have been enormous. And, So they decided to believe the thing that cost them the least amount was that this poor guy is married to a crazy woman and he's got some problem, but we're going to send him, you know, get him some help. But they didn't, they weren't, you know, they did not tell the truth to the team. What they did tell was very crafted, very carefully crafted. Um, Before my friend got put, well, she ended up, some Ramsey leaders ended up going to some of the divorce proceedings for my friend and her then husband. And they were prepared to say that, you know, she was trying to get him fired, which was not the case. She had gone to them for help. And she ended up getting put under a gag order for a while. So she could not speak about it at all. And during that time I went with her to one of her divorce hearings. And this is for discovery. If you've ever, uh, a divorce is a lawsuit. And so there is discovery that happens in that when you're trying to figure out what you need to ask for, for child support and alimony. And Melissa, my friend had asked for some documentation from Ramsey solutions. And I was in the courtroom when I heard the lawyer for Ramsey argue, number one, that they didn't have these um, recordings of their team meetings, which they absolutely did have at the time. They had them on a central drive that anybody could listen to. They said they didn't exist. And then they said they were not able to produce that everybody that all of the like personalities and speakers or a lot of people had used the same debit card when they traveled and so it was really difficult for them to say who spent what on the debit card Wow! now let's just think about that this is a personal finance company i was gonna say hello they're not really you know they were Mm. obfuscating and slow they did not like the fact that they were willing to either lie or have their lawyer lie for them? Blew my mind. Like I couldn't. I couldn't well, and it, it. and it and it's such a,
1: um, a line of the gospel, right? That's the part that offends me for you in so many ways. Yeah. And, and I know, and I know,
0: it's a long, long story. Yeah. But like, well, and and I again, was quiet for a long time. I mean, and this was yeah, not just my story. Well, right? and it was again, somebody guys, else's life. Yeah, right? and
1: even the name of your podcast, Untangled Faith, I think is is yeah. so important, and and, and I cannot express how important I think it is for those of you to go back and listen to this entire story because there was a lot for Amy and her husband Nathan to forgive. Yeah. Um, yeah. when you talk about and it's funny because I, you mentioned I'm'm I'm going back to school to get my doctorate and I'm writing a paper right now so this is kind of top of mind when people are talking about meeting your most basic needs, we those of you who, who know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yep. that very bottom one is the physiological needs food, water and shelter. When, when your husband is finding out these things and a tweet by Diane or, or a video by Diane Lamberg makes him go, oh, that sounds like Dave Ramsey, you know, Satan's going to play his best game there. And when you talk about, I, I, I might not be able to pay my bills, I might not be able to feed my kids, we're talking about very real fears. And very, and, and to the point, Amy, where you can't really even deal with the pain of the betrayal because you're worried about the provision of the future for your family. And so um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you before we kind of dive into a little bit of your forgiveness journey is right around the time I discovered you, and I don't know if this was just timing or if it just kind of happened, I uh, was one of the millions and millions and millions of people that binge-listened to The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and that podcast series blew my mind about Mark Driscoll. And again, listeners, another uh, that is Said. that is put out by Christianity Today. It is incredibly well done, but it talks about what happens when people get power when they mm-hmm. are the guy. Dave Ramsey is the guy. Mark Driscoll was the guy. James McDonald broke my heart. The guy. Ravi Zacharias. Mm-hmm. We can go on and on and on to where these people behind pulpits get a taste of power and get a taste of wealth and get a taste of the the lust of the eyes the pride of life Mm -hmm. and yeah that that, this is this is what you're subscribing to because you're you're no longer now about the gospel you're no longer about sir we would see jesus you're no longer about getting people out of debt you're about you and you're about Mm -hmm. building your kingdom and you're about building your empire and that amy is terrifying to me and it should be terrifying to anybody with a platform There's uh, the book of James says, if you have a if you're a teacher, you are called to a higher standard. And so I have no doubt that these people are going to stand before an almighty God one day, and uh, beg for said forgiveness. But so your family goes through hell. And again, not enough time to really talk about tell the whole story, your family goes through hell and back. And still, you are doing work and you're still getting clapbacks and threats from the Ramsey organization because of some of the stuff that you're putting out there. Um, I'd love to have Dr. Lamberg on the on the show. I need to grab that that contact information from Amber who had her on her show. But yeah, and, and then what we see going on in the Southern Baptist Convention, which breaks my heart because that is mm-hmm. my church and I'm watching my pastor and his wife navigate through these waters. And so, I guess my question to you, and the question to all the people out there, particularly those who um maybe aren't Christians, and I have those listeners who listen to this podcast because mm-hmm. they're looking for solutions to help them through their trauma but But how do you forgive that when it costs so much mm-hmm. how how do how do
0: How do you do that Well, I remember. I can remember a time when I would not have believed myself in these stories. Right. Where I could have easily been that person that wanted the approval so much, or was so happy to be in the inner circle that I could have stayed blind yeah. to it all. Um, I mean, there was a time when I used to think people like me that were speaking up were the problem. And I've had to go back to some of these people and be like, I had no idea. And I am so sorry. So to, to keep that in mind and to have that empathy and say, you know, there's a couple categories of people and some are easier to, to forgive than others. Right. Yeah. And I'd say the easier to forgive are the ones that they don't see all the stuff and their subconscious is protecting them. And they have maybe several other really big things they're dealing with in their life. Maybe there's a health concern. Maybe somebody's dying. Maybe their maybe their marriage is falling apart they can't see right. all the other things. And yes. there is so much grace for that. They're, they're doing what they can to survive. And so who am I to be like, what is wrong with you, Susie? Yeah. Yeah. You guys need to leave and wake up. Like, those are the people that I have so much empathy for. And it's so, it's not difficult. I think it is the ones, you know, and I think like, you know, the CTO, my husband, after I spoke up for the first time. Um, it was more than about a year after my husband, um, resigned and it caused someone to quit and it started some dominoes falling. Uh, the CTO then came to my husband's new employer and said terrible things about my husband and tried, you know, to malign him and others. And they threatened us, sent us threatening letters. Like it caused, and other friends that were like innocent bystanders in this, that hadn't really done anything. It just de- devastated them. Those are the harder, those are the really, those are the harder ones for me to grapple with and think you know what you're doing is wrong right yeah and and
1: let me let me stop you there just for a second hold that thought because as i speak to my listeners who are mostly trauma survivors or love somebody that is these are Mm -hmm. the kind the 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 second one while the first one like i i could argue my mom was just doing the best that she could Mm -hmm. and and i can i i could go there with my mom but most of my listeners are going to resonate with what you're talking about right now. It's the insidious, the bad guy on on purpose. I want to hurt you as badly as I possibly can. But then when you slap a Jesus label on it, it is incomprehensible to me. And I've not been
0: doing it in the name of Jesus. Yeah. I've not been called to
1: walk your walk. And that's why I know that God, as he promises, gives us individual Mm -hmm. grace so sufficient people look at me and go, I don't know how you forgave that. or I don't know how you're this, that, the other thing. And it's because you don't have my dispensation of grace, but what you're about to tell us is your journey. I, it blows my mind because I don't know how you get there with, especially you and I are very similar personalities, as you mentioned. And you knew when you spoke out that you were going to be both unwanted and unloved. Mm-hmm. And yeah,
0: that, uh, my greatest fear, the right? greatest
1: fear. Right. And of course, Satan's going to play with that too. So, so I'm sorry, I interrupted you because I wanted my trauma survivors to know that I know she's talking to the the second half of it and for the people in your lives, the people that have just hurt you or continue to hurt you is, is more difficult to forgive. But
0: you- yeah, what does that look like? Yeah, what, what does that look like? I think sort of like what I said at the beginning is that I can be, I can talk about things that are harmful. I can speak the truth, but I need to be- really intentional about who it's making me and how i'm focusing on it and there's a time for anger but also just to say lord what do you have for me what does this mean for me um how can i put that boundary there how can i speak the truth also in a way that hopefully helps protect others from being hurt by you know somebody when you think this there are people out there still in the Ramsey organization that are hurting people and using money from churches and Christians to force people to sign NDAs and to send threatening letters to them. You know, I don't have to be a part of that. But I think what I remember is that I think of, I think of that CTL and I think, what a, what a miserable life. And I have zero, zero, like, I don't want his life. I have no envy of that. Like, what kind of experience is he having where he, his job, part of his job is to sell a soul. Yeah. And I, you know, my friend, Melissa, who I mentioned earlier, you know, she's talked about how, you know, we, you know, there's Psalms, we, you know, David prays the imprecatory Psalms against people and she also mentioned, you know, there comes a point where God hardens people's hearts yeah. and I pray for soft hearts. I re- I remember I pray for a soft heart for me. I pray for a soft heart for others, because if this whole organization comes crashing to the ground, it's going to cost a lot of innocent people whose livelihoods are there. Yeah. It's going to be hard on them. Uh, so the best thing would be soft hearts Humbledly coming back to Jesus, the best case scenario is that, you know, people are humbled. Dave realizes that, you know, he has made some terrible choices and, and, and led others to do so. And God does an amazing thing. He could, and I don't want to be like Jonah waiting for this Nineveh to fall and mad if it doesn't. Right. And that, is, that,
1: that statement right there as your friend makes my heart go pitter patter because that means that you have truly made a transaction of forgiveness. Like you, well, and I
0: think it's ongoing, right? It's oh, like a Sundays thousand percent. Like, I don't like these people. I don't.
1: A like, thousand percent. Is it's ongoing. taking up too
0: much space in my yeah. brain. And you, you know,
1: I, you bring up David. Okay, and let's talk about an abuse of power that oh, that yeah. got redeemed, right so yeah. so before we started the podcast, as I always do, I pray with I pray, and one of the things I always pray is let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing, and your sight. that is from David, who also re- yeah. created me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Why? Because David was the king, David won somebody else's wife, mm-hmm. David killed somebody's husband. And that is the ultimate abuse of power. And my prayer for people like Dave Ramsey and Mark Driscoll and, and your, that pastor that you talked about is that they could somehow find their way to that contriteness of Psalm 51, right. 10, King David, is create a clean heart in me.
0: I have really, really messed this up. And right. yet the King David that hears from Nathan and says, and hears, you are that man, and yeah. goes, oh. <gasps> you're right, right. To have I that humility. Up. Yeah,
1: to have that humility. And so that is my prayer yeah. for, for Dave Ramsey. That is my prayer for, like I said, all the other names that I could mention. And I just want to make sure that I stay on the right side of that too. But the series is called forgiving trauma makers. And and I didn't do that on purpose. And everybody knows I'm a word and grammar nerd. But, but I yes. like that ingness of forgiving, because yeah. it is an everyday decision because I don't know about your hurt but I know my hurt that is that is somewhat you know I certainly could could point to some abuse of power but just my hurt in general in life is mitigated by by the one who I know suffered and who understands our sorrows but it doesn't mean that there aren't far reaching consequences I don't know what they are for you guys but for right. me they exhibit themselves in medical issues and Every time I have to write a check for this medication that I have to take as a result of something that happened, you know, it's another opportunity to be like, didn't have that $500, but I forgive you for that check, you know? And so listeners, I don't want you to think that it's a one and done. Amy, one of the things that I think that you have said here today that just makes my heart so happy is we have to think about who is this making me? And and I would, I would go so far as to add an extension onto that is who is this making me? And if I were to step out into eternity today and stand before an almighty God, would I hear well done in this vein? Like you've taken your pain and, and I, I hate all the cliches, but you've taken your pain, you've turned it into purpose, you've taken your mess, you've turned it into a message. I, again, I hate all those, those cliche <laughs> things, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that that is part of the healing process. I think it is part of the forgiveness process. I do think that it is important to
0: understand that it's not, it's not linear, Oh. oh, absolutely yeah you're gonna go through and in and out of all the different stages and this is just the sanctification journey that we just need right. jesus every day Amen. Uh, it's uh we cannot do this on our own i i love that you are carrying this message as somebody who understands trauma it is a lot easier to hear some of these really hard things about forgiving people from somebody who hasn't had a perfect life
1: mm-hmm.
0: Um, it makes it like somebody can sit next to you on the couch and know that they aren't alone in how much this just stinks. And while we would not have asked for these terrible things to happen. And Jesus is not saying, you know what, Amy Watson, I want to use you. So I want to do terrible things to you. He's saying, this world is broken. Some terrible things have happened. I want to redeem this. And what does this make possible? This terrible thing make possible. Yeah. And it makes something possible because we, we serve a God who is in the is in the business of making all things new Amen. and he can redeem all the things. And I am so grateful. And it's been amazing to sit on the sidelines and just watch how he does that. Yeah. And, and thank
1: you for that because I do think that, I may get this 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 quote wrong, but it says more about us and how we something about something about how we sit with the broken versus how we take victory laps with the people who aren't broken. And oh, yeah. and and I think that you're right. I think that this first of all, I want to validate you and that what you guys went through is trauma, because I do know the whole story. I have listened to this to your to your podcast and the way you tell it legitimizes your pain and it, it reinforces the need for forgiveness. But um, guys, what she, what Amy has shared with us today as we begin to uh, have Phil Baker's song play us out of the podcast is when we think about forgiving and abuse of power, and probably everybody under the sound of my voice has been a, a recipient of an abuse of power in some way, maybe not to the magnitude that Amy and Nathan and her, her family or Melissa... Her friend, or any any people that are part of the Ramsey organization, and and by now this stuff is so well documented out there, you don't have to go very far to find that what Amy is saying is true. And again, uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll is just important for the for people to listen to to know that this is not our Jesus. These people yeah. are not representing our Jesus. They might be proclaiming the name of Jesus, but they're not. They're not representing our Jesus. And so right before we end, Amy, I always give the mic to my guest. What do you have to say to the person out there listening? And I keep saying on six continents. I don't know if you found an Antarctic listener yet, but I cannot find one to save my soul. <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so six continents all over the world. People uh, most definitely have been in a situation where they are the recipient of an abuse of power. What do you say to their hearts today? Because I love, I love that we are so wired, you and I. I like and then the leaning in into the empathy of their pain. And that's why I do what I do and why I can sit with the broken because I have yeah. been broken. And like you said, I wouldn't have asked for it, but I wouldn't change it. Yeah. And so, what do you say to people out there going, but, you, but Amy Fritz, you don't understand
0: my story. What do you say to that person mm. listening? I don't understand your story. But what I do know is that abuse is abuse everywhere. And I am not going to push somebody somewhere where they're not ready to go. But we serve a God that is so kind and so patient. And he doesn't force his way in like the people that have created trauma in your life. Dr. Lingberg says that, you know, Jesus says that he he knocks on the door and he asks to come in. He does not barge in. And so when you are ready and you want to say, okay, God, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm not really sure. Or I believe, help my unbelief. He's there. He'll be there on the other side of the door. And it just takes one tiny step. And he is, you're not alone. Yeah. You know, We serve a suffering savior who loves you, and it stinks that what ha- that what ha- has happened to you, and it's not okay, and it's not your fault, and I'm so sorry. Really, couldn't have said it better
1: myself. You are not alone. And one of the things, Amy, that I say on this podcast every time—I don't believe we have an episode where I don't say this—I um, just remind people that they matter, that their pain matters. Um, And then I proclaim this over them and I proclaim it over you. As you continue to journey towards, like you said, sanctification and your beautiful podcast that is doing beautiful work and untangling faith and separating the Savior from the sinners, often so cloaked in Jesus' nomenclature, the suffering Savior knows because he himself was despised and rejected. His Father turned his back on him. And the next episode is going to be talking about that in a solo episode with me. But thank you for being here today. But this is what I this uh, you're very welcome. I adore you. I wish we had more interaction, but said all the things, uh, school and the 185 jobs kind of keep me a little bit busy. But I adore you. I adore what you're doing. I adore that you're separating sin from faith, and that you're highlighting the star of the story, Jesus. And so I proclaim over you what I proclaim over listeners: You are seen, Amy Fritz. You are known. You are heard, you are loved, and you are valued. Don't ever forget that. When Satan begins to indict you, even after this interview, oh, Amy, I can't believe you're talking about this again. Don't let him indict you. Remember the star of the story. Lean on him and continue to speak with your beautiful, beautiful balance of grace and truth. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Amy. It's wonderful to be here. Okay, guys, we will be back in two weeks. I do want you to make sure that you hit up Amy's podcast, Untangled Faith Podcast. It is in the show notes. All you need to do is click on that and then subscribe and or follow wherever you get podcasts. As for me, I will be back here in two weeks with the much-promised and anticipated, not-yet-written solo episode leading us into Easter on our suffering Savior and the tie-in to forgiveness. So I say it every time. You guys are... Also, seen, you are known, you are heard, you are loved, and you are valued. And remember, on this day, whenever you're listening to it, you matter.
0: Let
1: my
0: life